recent announcement of investment SOPs for the production of lithium-ion batteries and other parts of the EV ecosystem in India have been really breathtaking, and the pace of change continues aggressively. During the recent annual budget presented by the Finance Minister in February 2022, she made firm policy announcements on battery swapping infrastructure, and it's evident that policy objectives are clearly towards a massive shift to clean mobility by 2030. We already have determined that the present buying cycle for ICE vehicles is likely the last one where EVs are not the logical procurement choice and that when the vehicles being procured this year in 2022 come up for replacement in three or five years, the natural buying decision will likely be an EV rather than an ICE vehicle, unless the EV industry itself messes up the golden opportunity presented to it. As of February 2022, India has a few million electric rickshaws of varying battery technologies, including lead-acid and lithium-ion chemistries. There are some 200,000 electric scooters, a few thousand electric buses, but less than 20,000 personal electric cars. The passenger car segment in particular has had low levels of penetration in India, with only few OEMs offering electric vehicles. New launches planned in 2022, this year, include at the top end the Mini Cooper Electric, the Volvo XC40 Electric, and the Mercedes-Benz EQA. At the other end of the spectrum, Tata and MG plan to launch new electric vehicle models in the 10 to 15 lakhs price spectrum. But the choice for buyers for electric cars continues to be very limited, and a disconnect is looming. So, what's the go? What is the industry doing wrong, and what is hampering OEMs from keeping up with the hype that they themselves have created? To help examine this subject, today we speak with Cyrus Dhabar, Head of Content of Powerdrift, India's biggest automotive media house. My name is Ravin Mirchandani, and this is the Energizing India podcast. Cyrus, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you so much. First of all, you have a phenomenal podcast voice. Okay, <laughs> let's get that straight out. Um, you should do more voiceovers for Parvish as well. You're more than welcome to come and join in. Uh, thank you so much for having me here. Uh, it's a pleasure. I love the setup. And uh, yeah, let's talk EVs because it's something that I've been advocating now for a long, long time, much before Parvish or my auto car days, for example. And um, in fact, my first, I just, just thought of this. My first ever video that I ever did on YouTube was an electric car, which was way back in 2013, sometime late 2013. So it's been a while. So that was the rave I expected. It was the E2O with the up, the midlife upgrade to the Mahindra E2O. Not the four-door, still the two-door. It was a yellow color, two-door, and it was the midlife update to the E2O. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. It's Almost 10 years now, yeah. So how was that experience? You had a car, 2013, electric. Um, it's been it's nine years ago. Did you think that uh, it'll take this long for the uptick? Honestly, yes. Because uh, at the time, we were really, really early into the electric game. Uh, Mahindra, of course, uh, well, Reva first, and then Mahindra taking over uh, Chetan's projects and uh, the company. Uh, at the time, for example, of, of course, there were no electric chargers in Bombay. Also in Mumbai, you might be politically incorrect there. <laughs> um, I had to charge it at the Dalar Pasi Kani Jimkhana's pump room overnight, which they were not too very happy about. But we only had the car for a couple of days, so charging it overnight and then sort of sneaking into the Jimkhana and removing the plug. I mean, it, it didn't make much of a difference to the electricity bill. But even then, the fact that you could get this instant power right at, at you know, sort of zip away from a stop line or, or, or from a signal 
and uh, have a very small footprint which was great in a, in a city like mumbai where the traffic is is i mean absolutely bonkers still is um it was great and again you know quiet mobility uh sometimes you just want that it's it's a more relaxing sort of commute mostly so sometimes you just want that after a tiring day you don't want to shift gears a million times you don't want to rev and then move and then brake and you know all of that so it, i think i think uh yes it's been a while coming but i think the next few years are going to be critical and i think the progress in the next few years is going to be actually much 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 faster than what we think it will be even for us although we give it a very relaxed timeline of say 2027 2028 when it becomes much more mainstream i think it's going to be much earlier so coming from the um, we've jumped straight into the subject rather than talk about you we'll come back to that a far more interesting subject talking about cyrus but you're from the auto industry right and um when you when you consider auto journalism it's about looking under the hood and seeing the four cylinders the six cylinders the direct injection the torque and yet um the EV industry is going to change all of that for even your sector isn't it what is auto journalism going to look like when you look under the hood and see a box and it's a boring old EV with not much more that you can talk about so i think there are two ways of looking at this first of all yes as a traditional and not just an auto journalist as a traditional car guy which i am i mean i have three cylinder engines four cylinder engines six cylinder engines at home single cylinder as well uh as a car guy you will obviously be averse to the ev because oh it doesn't have an engine blah 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 that's all nonsense i think that's absolute i mean uh, i'm trying very hard to reel my vocabulary in um <laughs> i think the car guy will actually once he goes and actually drives a decent ev will be a quicker adopter to the ev than the normal public will from the auto journalist perspective i think we are on the verge of an absolute revolution because we're on the verge of uh cars or or a platform designs where the sort of the bottom end will be the same and then you'll have different top hats so i can safely say that coach building is coming in back in a big big way a uh, resurrection of design is coming back i mean you are going to see some absolutely fantastic looking cars i mean look at the rivian for example it's such a beautiful looking design i mean i I'm, i'm not a big fan of pickup trucks let me put it out there but as a design language things that they've done with that car the space management is unbelievable look at the lucid air what a beautiful looking car look at the teslas for example i mean i i remember uh, i remember driving a tesla in 2017 when the model 3 had 18 when the model 3 had just come out and it was like nothing we had in india so i think from a design perspective we're going to have that sort of new age boom come in and again there'll always be a need for an auto journalist maybe not in the more traditional way like you see i think the print journalism and i'm this no disrespect to my colleagues out there okay <laughs> but uh, i think the print journalism side of things needs to sort of end it is more digital this quicker content that's going to be consumed which we are of course uh, uh, in the space that we are at um there will still be differences in electric cars though suspension setup will still matter you know uh, ergonomics will still matter the way the car makes you feel will still matter there will still be electric cars with souls let's let's not let's not count that out there are still some electric cars which are still great. like the Porsche Taycan is a perfect example right it's still i mean as an electric mobility tool it's probably not the best considering the range but it still makes you feel like you're in a Porsche there are some cars that don't there's some cars that are a little soulless but well it's going to be a mixture as it is now so i think the need for auto journalism will still be there 
uh will it still be as mainstream or as romanticized as it is today i have no idea but i think that'll continue so there's two things that you mentioned there that that i want to explore a little bit the first one is design actually both the questions are around design you talk about how tesla rivian these are all sexy designs and from your perspective are these sexy because ev this the whole ev architecture allows them to be sexy or are they sexy because they need to be sexy so that they attract your attention being away from the traditional automotive ice vehicle and grabbing your eyeballs to come and make the decision to buy an ev um no i think uh, i think it's because of the because of the way because of the fact that they can be i don't think they need to be sexy because if you actually look at sales figures for all the major electric cars they still look like normal cars you know that era where electric cars needed to look futuristic for the sake of looking futuristic that's gone they yes they look different from what normal cars are today because automakers are still putting that effort to actually make a new range or new design language for their evs like hyundai is doing with the ionic range for example but look at the mustang marquee it looks like i mean if it had if it had a normal if it had a normal engine in it it would look like an a ford suv right uh tesla for all intents looks like a car more more like a crossover for the x and the y but the s looks like a normal car it looks like a nicer camry Okay, and I'm not taking away from the Camry. The Camry is a great car because it does everything so well. I mean, it's a very, very comfortable car, etc., etc. Um, the Lucid looks like. I mean, look, we're also look, moving into a, a design language shift in general, right? Uh, some people are still sticking with their roots. Some are going absurd with their roots, like BMW with the extra large grills. But people like that. So I think we're going to be seeing a mix of design, and it's also because I mean, you have that. uh freedom to do whatever you want that space you don't have that lump of metal in the front which is the engine you don't have that drive shaft going down you don't need uh you know sort of an axle in the back you can put wheel hub motors or whatever you, you know you can work around these problems and of course it is i mean you can stack the batteries on the floor and you can do all these things which, uh, which give you the freedom to do great designs i see i see some very 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 pretty looking cars in the next 10 15 years So here's the rub. Then my second question on design is, you know, it's Elon Musk that pushed this entire industry down this road to EV. The traditional legacy automotive companies resisted. They were all petrol heads, diesel heads, didn't understand the technology, and now they're forced into this. And so today, the EV is actually a retrofit almost on the same platform, right? So then you have the issue of batteries on the floor, for example, with the EQA, where I saw one of the reviews which was very striking that when you sit in the back seat it's in fact because there's no drivetrain underneath and the the lithium battery cells are, uh, are under the floor your feet are so high it's an uncomfortable position to be sitting on um so why do you think we're in this position where we are retrofitting the existing line just as you talked about the Mustang but you have lots of inconvenience as a result from being an EV do you think it's because they're rushing to the market because it's completely juxtaposed to what you just said about beautiful designs coming yeah. um where do you where is that rub Yeah so it is it is people rushing to the market because uh, I mean uh, I th- uh, as of what two months ago I think Tesla was the highest selling car in the US and the UK um there are certain countries in Europe where 50% is electric car stuff like that so obviously it is a big market chunk that the traditional automakers want to grab now all of them will lead to the party let's be very honest the Mercedes group the VW group for sure uh, BMW Uh, I mean, I'm not even going to start talking about Toyota yet because that's a sleeping giant. Um, but they have the technical ability to move things quickly and bring out an electric 
retrofitted electric car on an existing platform which is what the EQC is for example i mean it still looks cool but it's an it's a glc with an electric battery that's right yeah but that um life cycle has sort of now ended and now we are seeing bespoke products coming in like the i4 for example I- ix what a uh, look you might or may or may not like the design language on the outside there's no denying the fact that that is a stunning car to look at i mean in terms of design it's a polarizing car and design should be polarizing not everybody should like your design that's the point of design that's the point of good design rather that's something that's scratch built as a platform right the eqs is scratch built i mean whatever c class e class electric version will come I mean, when the e class electric comes EQE is also actually yeah when that comes in beautiful. right um that, that's it the e class is mercedes's biggest seller in the world mercedes sell what sold what 2. Point something million cars in 2021 i see a gigantic chunk of that by 2025 2026 going to like the eqe because that's where the actual market is that segment of customer wants an electric car because not only is it going to be full of tech and range but also i think at a point with those european customers especially buying that will be more important to their image than buying a normal car i don't think it'll be acceptable where buying and driving an ic car might not be socially acceptable in the within this decade yeah, yeah yeah absolutely right absolutely within this decade absolutely within this decade so, so let's talk let's talk about sleeping giant um and and the reality is all sleeping giants are there because first there was this resistance to come to electric then there was this dichotomy of do you want to do electric or hydrogen and so you know a few companies like BMW and Toyota went down the FCEV hydrogen route uh, and a few committed to electric like Mercedes Benz few were late to the party like Volkswagen um and then Toyota was sitting in the middle not quite sure launched a Mirai in the in the hydrogen space and now is coming very quickly into electric what's happening in these big companies what why is there such a big amount of confusion on something that's imminently staring at them uh let me add a third uh, uh, okay let me let me say this first hydrogen as a technology is i think going to be very very niche i don't think people are serious about finding solutions to hydrogen as much as they're actually putting out in the public uh and this is personal opinion what i think is more viable as a solution for internal combustion are synthetic fuels uh which is of course something that the VW group is like actively working on formula 1 is actively working on and when stuff like formula 1 does something and once it gets into racing and is usable the mass market catches on really quickly coming to the electric thing um yes VW was late to the party but what VW is going to do is democratize electric cars every every review that you see about the ID4 for example says that oh god it's damn boring to drive but the normal person wants a day to day point a to point b transportation tool and that is what that will be when toyota comes into the fray the ev market will really i mean there will be a switch that goes from off to on the day a 500 km range corolla gets launched i mean i'm not talking about the indian market i'm talking about the international i'm talking about the us i'm talking about europe But yeah, when Toyota comes to the party, and Toyota will come to the party because that's what they always do. But they they will come in ready. They will come in prepared that no issues happen. They will not be doing the test cycle on customers as we've seen some other automakers do. I'm not gonna name who they are, <laughs> but um, but they've always done that. You know, they've always been a little late, but they've always come in with products that are unbeatable in terms of what a car should be. Absolutely. It's not something that necessarily will move your soul, but it will move you and your family from point A to point B in absolute relative comfort, completely reliably with great range. So let's talk about the Chinese then Cyrus. 
uh, two are on the road already the third's going to come so we've got uh, byb already haval is going to launch uh what is your forecast for how that will change the indian automotive market do you think they will be incredibly successful uh, or do you see uh, a, some geopolitical concerns in in customers when they make decisions where is this headed right so let me let me talk to you about what mg has done to the indian uh indian auto industry mg's been one of the have there been two disruptors in recent times kia and mg uh mg has been a great disruptor in the ev space and the ic space the mg zs ev is genuinely a great product okay uh at 20 something lakh rupees there are a lot of people who want to buy a creta or something a little more expensive but have the infrastructure capabilities to install a charger and they're buying the zs ev and the people are buying it i mean it's just set a sales record personal sales record in jan I think, and I'm going to be very. I'm going to try and remain politically correct because I know there are implications to what I say. There will always be geopolitical concerns over something coming from China because of what the um, the emotion in the country today is. Whether that changes in the next three years or not, we don't know. uh whether i'd like it to change is something that's a personal opinion altogether and i'm not going to discuss it at all <laughs> publicly here or elsewhere uh but you know what um they have the capacity to uh, be successful uh it's 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 just going to be how powerful oh, sorry just going to be how good are indian or, or, or automakers that have been in india for a while not necessarily indian products are as compared to these chinese because they they always have this sort of edge on tech right at a good price point but if you can offer something with equal tech at say 50000 rupees more then the indian buyer will buy that because see there's there's still this word of mouth thing in india right irrespective of how good a website is or how good a how good we make a review video the end decision will always be oh let me ask my friend who's into cars what car to buy absolutely right or, or i get mm. every day i get a, a 15 queries on instagram about should i buy this or should i buy that and people and i've realized that us as um, journalists have a responsibility to tell people not what we like but to sort of figure out what they need and tell them what fits their uh, use pattern more um and people do buy it and people have actually gone and bought products after we told so it, it's a great responsibility that we have but again i think the indian audience will maybe like indianized products a little bit more because see there is also a big troll population on the internet that makes it a point to talk about how mg is chinese irrespective of whether they've put in money in india or not i mean the mg uh, hector and the aster the aster for example is a very 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 good car for what it is i mean at 20 lakh rupees that interior is mind blowing i mean the leather quality is literally a, 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 i mean shit it's better than an e class uh it's makan level maybe not makan levels but <laughs> but like sub makan levels of of leather in there you know it's it's really good there are quirks yes but they need those quirks for us to talk about if they just give us a normal car we do a review and then forget about it right we've been asking them where the car is because we've not had a car after we've done the first drive we want a car to drive around in we want to use that little robot on the screen on, on the dashboard and see how annoying or how useful it is um So yeah I mean they've got it's it's not like they don't have the machinery to do it they do they have the price competitive competitiveness to do it as well but there'll always be this emotional value in the indian buyer which will make him buy a certain thing or not make him buy a certain thing. so um let's 
stay on the subject of Indian OEMs then, and I, I'm interested in your perception of what we are doing wrong. There's only three cars as we discussed at the moment, and there's at the other end of the spectrum there's a super luxury, but there's nothing in between. Yeah. Um, you know, you have Mahindra who are early movers, yeah. as you said, 2013, the E2O, then they bought Reva. Yeah. And yet they're nowhere Relative. on the table today as an yeah. electric vehicle company. Tata came from behind. It, um, they've got now the two vehicles that they've launched. They've planned eight or nine. There's, you know, teething problems with them coming onto the road. Um, what's, what's the scenario here? What, what is the industry doing wrong? It's, why is it also topsy-turvy? So I think everybody was a little wary about electric cars as an OEM uh, because they didn't know if it said enough to actually warrant an investment of that size. It's not a, it's not a cheap thing to do. I mean, it probably is cheaper than making an EV, uh, sorry, making an IC car from scratch considering how many fewer parts you use. But it's still a car. It's still many, many crores. Um, and today in the market in 2022 or 20, whatever, uh, launching a mediocre car just doesn't cut it. I mean, we will destroy it if it is mediocre. We've done that with bikes. We've done that with cars recently. It just doesn't cut it. I mean, look at Mahindra's progress in the last few years from what they were. It's unbelievable. Today, their cars are international quality cars. Period. The XUV700 is an international quality. I would buy one, 100%. Thar, I would buy 100%. Look at Tata Motors. Their, their punch is phenomenal. I mean, yes, it's got a weak engine. But otherwise, as a product, it's phenomenal. And when the punch EV comes in, that engine problem gets sorted. Mm -hmm. So for Tata Motors, who's never had the best engines or the greatest engines, the electric platform is just a sensible thing to do because everything else around it is great. Right? So your noise and vibrations, your engine performance, all of that just gets completely negated because there's an EV powertrain. Acceleration's faster, smoother, etc., etc. Uh, you know, it doesn't shake the car up. So it's just a better product. People are more comfortable in So for Tata, they're doing exactly what they need to do. We know the Altros EV is coming this year. Great product. I mean, the Altros again struggles because of an engine. Everything around it is beautiful. I mean, it looks great. I mean, it looks futuristic even today. Uh, I'm sure in whatever silver or white with the blue accents, it'll look even better. What people are doing wrong, though, I think is they've been too conservative in the last few years. Now they've realized suddenly with the Nexon's success story that, oh no, we should have done more. Which means now they're putting in a lot more effort. The negative side of that effort is they might rush to the market. But with EVs, there's not much you can do wrong. With an engine, there's a lot you can do wrong. You can make an absolute tour of an engine. And EVs, and, I mean, you can literally buy technology and put it in. You don't have to invest money into making a motor from scratch, making battery packs from scratch. Plus, all these things are anyways things you buy from people who specialize in these things. So I think uh, uh, that's what people have done. Not, not paid. I think the timing's been a little off. But I think the Indian auto industry has always been a few years behind the curve. But that curve is much, much smaller now. Uh, what we were, I mean... 15, 20 years behind the curve at one point of time. Maybe not that much. Maybe 10 years. Uh, I think it's down to 2 years, 3 years at the most. When Mahindra comes in with their electric SUV, we know it'll be great. Because the uh, 300, XUV300 is around it a great platform. Uh, and Mahindra's always put an impetus on driving performance. So maybe not great range, but at least it'll drive really well. So that'll be a trade-off. Uh, Maruti, we know, will come in with mass market, absolute bang on, just what you need when it comes in. So I think conserva conservativeness is what's uh, 
uh, been eating them up. And I don't see any other manufacturers in India really. I mean, Kia will obviously, Hyundai will improve the electric uh, portfolio, but probably Hyundai will move up in the range and not down because they have that product ready. The Ionic Five, Ionic, Ionic, yeah, Ionic. That's a great car. I mean, that looks really cool, and it's not as small as it looks in the pictures. It's a big car. Uh, but yeah, I think this. Uh, uh, I think there's so much potential for everybody at every price point, and I'm, I don't think we will see many. I don't think we'll see a Firelight Rupee electric vehicle. So the, the two companies that you talked about, the two powerhouses of Indian automotive, Tata and Mahindra, and these are the companies to watch, and these are the companies that are most most exciting as well, and make us very proud because both of absolutely, them have come out of the absolutely. bank. The, the, yeah, yeah. the Nexon, as you said, is an international quality car, and when you look at all the latest Mahindras, my God, I've, I've driven the Tar. What what a vehicle! Yeah. The SUV 700 brings tears to your eyes in terms of pride just to see an Indian I mean, Indian product. It's, it's just, yeah. What's changed in both of these companies that they've come out they've come out of the closet almost, so to speak, with a bang? <laughs> so I think with with uh, Tata, it's been a gradual improvement. Every Tata product is the best Tata yet. The the Hector was the best Tata yet. Sorry, uh, the Harrier. My God, the Harrier was the best Tata yet. The Altros then was the best Tata yet. The next one before it. The Safari was the best Tata yet. The Punch now, today, in my opinion, is the best Tata yet. Uh, don't get me wrong, the Safari is great. And what they're offering as options in the Safari as well, it's not just one car and one package. You can have five different variations of the top end, five different interior options, five different color choices. It's crazy. Tata has been a gradual move up. Tata also is a little less... Uh, this is because I know how Tata works internally. Uh, Tata is a little less averse to change, or was a little less averse to change in the past. I'm hoping it isn't anymore. Um, but we've seen some great improvements from Tata Motors every year, year on year. We know that their cars will be good cars. And their perception of how they are in the market has changed. So today people are going and buying one, not worried about how rubbish the service will be because it isn't that bad anymore. Mm, true. Look, every every service center in the country is as good or as bad as the other one. Okay, which is why I don't give my cars to any service. Well, I don't drive new cars also. That's <laughs> um, Mahindra, on the other hand, has been a revolution. Uh, I think there are some very forward-thinking people involved. Um, Anand, of course, gives the uh, Mr. Mahindra. Anand gives uh, the freedom to the team to actually think and do stuff. There is there are. There are brilliances of auto passion in that company, which is lacking in a lot of other companies. There are people who are genuinely, oh, there are a lot of people who are actually genuinely interested in cars in Mahindra today as compared to almost any other automaker in the country. Okay, it is a car, if, if you were a car guy and you wanted to work in an automaker in the country, that's probably where you work. And I've had several friends move from the journalism side to the, to the sort of marketing or to the product development, etc, cetera, etc cetera side, and they're all happy there. Um, and Mahindra also has had that freedom of, you know, being a slightly more uh, agile company. Maybe not in the past, but definitely we're seeing that agility come in now. And they have that heritage to fall back on, right? They've got some really cool heritage to fall back on, like the the, the, the Jeep heritage and stuff like that. But they make, they make the most use of it. I mean, look at the Thar. At the end of the day, it is a reimagined Jeep, right? But it is cool in its own right. And it's a very, very cool car. And with the XUV, they've just literally, they've taken their time. It's been years since we've seen the mules. I mean, that's been an internet joke, isn't it? 
the XUV Scorpio, for example, he's now it's it's an internet meme. Uh, we'll have what the coronavirus will end before the Scorpio gets launched is what the, the meme is the last meme. But that's not bad. Let them do their testing because it sort of irons out uh, the issues in these cars because these cars are packing a lot of tech. And they're tuned to Indian roads really well. I mean, the ADAS in this in the XUV seven double O is the okay. I'm gonna say this with authority and on the record, it's the best ADAS I have ever driven in my life. Period. And I've driven Teslas and I've driven Volvos and I've driven Merc uh, ADAS stuff. And this is the for the Indian market. It's the it actually works. It, it's basically a friend just tap you on the back and say, "Don't do that. Just chill." And you so you sort of reel back a little bit, and that's what it does. It doesn't go and just slam on the brakes like a lunatic, and makes you wonder what happened. It just gently taps the brakes and reminds you that there's something about to happen, and then you sort of take over. And if you don't take over, it does slam on the brakes. Um, uh, so it's these kind of improvements that they've done. Now, why it's happened is obviously something that we don't really know. But it's obviously been uh, money being pumped in, ideas being opened up. Uh, ease of actually making things happen, probably. Uh, yeah, I think there's, there's there's a lot of young blood in Mahindra too. So, sorry, staying with the theme of things that um, we're doing wrong. <clears throat> um, one of our worries is that the the EV industry is in danger of a hype and a bubble being burst. You know, as performance uh, doesn't keep up with promises that are being made. Uh, by some of the, particularly the startups who are seeking significant funding. Uh, for example, take Ola, <laughs> biggest factory for electric vehicles in the world, and then struggling to deliver the first few thousand electric scooters, which then couldn't be charged because the charging network wasn't ready. And then they're teasing a launch of a new electric oh, you're car. Oh, you're going to trouble now. Um, so, and Ola's just one example. There's many other <laughs> bubbles that are being created. People are funding huge amounts of money. Yeah. And what I worry about is we will have, this happens every 10 years. There yes. was a telecom bubble, there was the internet bubble, and it gets busted. And then people with real ideas and real passion and real capability to deliver don't get funded because mm-hmm. the hype that was early on in the piece sucked up all the money and all the confidence and all the trust. So what's your perception right. of this? You, you, you spoke about how this happens every 10 years. Hmm. The auto industry had this happen in the past. If you look at the uh, 20th century, the early 15, 20, 30 or the 20th century, right? We had a thousand automakers, 15, 2000, 3000 automakers. I don't even know. I mean, every third person had an auto, uh, had a car. Uh, everybody was doing everything. I mean, there were crazy ideas. You know, there were electric cars back then, which were, which were. I mean, sometimes they predate some really popular uh, IC cars. Uh, hybrid, diesel, Front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, all wheel drive, blah, 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 V10, V16, I don't know, straight 24 cylinder, God knows. Everybody was doing everything. We're in the same zone. Because there is a chance for somebody who is a small player to hit it big. Uh, Who knew Microsoft, who knew Apple would be Apple when they started? Who knew Facebook would be Facebook when they started, right? I mean, every time I see that movie, The Social Network, I'm just, it's unbelievable what Mark Zuckerberg has done. Today, there's a chance for a small, smart human being to come up with a concept and make it work. Which is why you're seeing these startups come in. The problem is, and there will always be this this, this yin and yang, is for that one person, there will always be 10 dumb beeps (laughs) 
trying to take advantage of the system. I know for a fact when we get new, I mean, press releases, I look at them and I'm like, dude, this is a scam. There are so many automakers today. You know the best thing in the world. I, I, so okay, let me give you this sort of. Let me just uh, uh, turn back time a little bit. Okay, when I was in Delhi, I stayed in Delhi for three years, two and a half. Um, I was at NDTV, and one of the things I would cover is the uh, EV Expo, right? And I was uh, got a call from the PR lady one day, and she said, "So we want you to come and cover the EV Expo. It's like the biggest electric car, electric vehicle." show in the country blah 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 i'm like oh so how cool where is it it said pragati man i'm like oh sweet you know it's it's the birthplace of the expo oh uh, yeah i'll be there like for sure like it's crazy so i uh, i uh, i get a couple of camera people i tell my team we have to go there and all and i go oh, super second ev expo <laughs> for f- can i can i swear on this yes, podcast you can. for fuck's sake <laughs> it is the most disappointing piece of shit event or or gathering of things that i've ever seen i mean apart from one uh, automaker which was which had some potential which was a known automaker i'm not going to name they didn't even bother covering up the chinese signages on their car they would put a <laughs> sticker on top of that you could see the chinese name below it i mean it do that at least i mean look i know that there's this there's this drive to make mm. whatever little money you can that's a great thing i mean you no know, you need to do that but the kind of mediocrity that i mean you talked about what how million plus auto rickshaws electric auto rickshaws name one that's decent it's all rubbish so this was a few years ago sadly we've since then ridden a couple of electric scooters who've come out in this big way and said uh, we're doing these huge uh, india investments and r&d bullshit it's all literally copy paste i mean we found the bloody scooter on the internet at 30000 rupees you can import a thousand of them at 25000 rupees and you can sell them to selling them for your for a, a lakh it's the exact same scooter they haven't even changed the logo on it <laughs> it, it was absurd so there is so much absolute rubbish in the industry and this will always be the case there'll always be this this um i have it's probably more than 1 is to 10 as a ratio uh but it always it there always be um what do you call what's the term for it collateral damage sadly uh if they're good enough if they're really good enough they'll always be successful if they're good to a point where they're just good mildly i don't think they're going to make it uh but yes we are going to see names that we've never heard of come on board and just completely revolutionize i mean look at tesla from what they were 10 years ago uh, absolutely or 15 years ago more more specifically yeah. with the roadster mm. to what they are today and what a jump it's been and what a phenomenal you might like elon you might not like elon i think he's a rock star the fact that one person has the actual cha- uh, the ability to do change the way he does but I mean, he's earned it isn't he you like him or not is another factor <clears throat> but you have to respect the guy totally yeah. so uh, i mean yeah there's this, this huge if you're on this moment of ex I mean, it, it's just a revol- elect- mm. i mean it's a revolution it's a mobility revolution coming it's not necessarily an electric revolution it's a mobility revolution so there will be as you said there will be a clean up people who don't yes, cut the mustard yes there will be a clean up there will be yeah. these big names who fall mm. sadly so i want to tease out the whole concept of the world's biggest scooter factory in india at yeah. 10 million a year uh versus the reality of 50 60000 being sold from the biggest factory today 
uh, which is which is doing a great job, uh, Hero Electric, uh, in, in and has been doing so for ten years. Yeah, I, w- I want to tease out your opinion here. <laughs> uh, he's not been very kind to us, hasn't he? Has he recently he, to the uh, journalism fraternity? Uh, that will not uh, affect my uh, 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 judgment, though. It's our job to be. Uh, it's our job to put our personal. Well, we, we might rant on it on Twitter, but when it actually comes to giving out an opinion, it's our job to keep our personal biases aside, right? Uh, I haven't written one, but I have booked one. Uh, the same way I booked the Model Three when it came out, not knowing whether whether we'll ever see it. I did sell my booking later on and make a little bit of money on it. It's different. But uh, I have booked an Ola scooter because I use scooters. It is in Bombay, despite me owning more than a dozen cars, my absolute primary mode of transport is a scooter. And it's always been that. I And look, I use a scooter as an appliance, not as a vehicle. I don't get attached to my scooters. Okay, Every three years, when I hit 10,000 kilometers, or every two years, three years, whatever, I sell it off and I buy a new one. I have gone through three of the same exact scooters back to back to back because I like them. I mean, you know, I went through 300 years, 200 Activas, and now I'm on an NTOC. And uh, now I think I'm ready to buy an electric vehicle because now, as of three months ago, I have the capacity to put a charger where I live in, in, in my house in Bombay. So then why not? So the Ola was a great choice. It looks cool. I mean, you have the color options and stuff. Uh, I think uh, I think he went a little overboard with his his bravado and his marketing. Uh, there is potential of making a great deal of... I mean, I think if he just reels it down a little bit and does... Uh, look, there is potential that in that automake or whatever. As a company, they has, there is potential, right? We've seen that they have the, the funds to do it. They have the space to do it. And it's a cool looking vehicle, whether it rides really well or not. I haven't ridden it yet, so I'm not going to comment on that. But it looks cool. And that's half the battle won for a, for a two-wheeler, to be honest. Is there a reason you booked an Ola instead oh, of Aether? Okay. It was 500 bucks. Aether was, uh, there was no booking. And I've ridden the Aether. It's phenomenal. Uh, I just don't fit well on an Aether. Mm. I, I, it hits my knees. It is what it okay. is. Uh, I love them. I really like them. Uh, I have several friends who bought them. Excellent. So now I'm going to ask you a question that we normally end the podcast with. Uh, and it's the same question we ask every talent that comes on the show. And it's a very frivolous question, Cyrus. Mm. But uh, it always gives a pointed answer. So I'm going to put that to you. And the question is, if you had the opportunity to be the Prime Minister of India for one day, just mm. one day, and you could make any decision you wanted oh. to help faster adoption of electric vehicles in India specifically, mm. what would that uh, decision be? Uh, I'd put in a policy to allow um, EV swaps uh, as an IC to EV swaps sort of fast track that because uh, it's happening. We've seen it happen. You've done it with a yeah, I mean, it's, it's very... The retrofit you're talking about. Yeah, the yeah, retrofit. Yeah. Hmm. Um, That's interesting actually because it brings to life a large segment of cars that are unused today. Yeah. For example, all of these gypsies coming out of service from the army could actually be retrofitted to electric and go back to forest service. Um, there's so many other applications for them that you would not have thought about. Idea. Hmm. It's actually a damn good idea. Yeah. Uh, that and also I think I think uh, just to look, uh, the automaker needs to be given something in return for all the efforts they take. Let's be honest, okay? You've put in... Uh, now, people will call me... Uh, they say, they'll say I'm siding with the automakers. I am, right? Because we see both sides of, uh, and we know how much the, the, the industry is struggling. Yes, they're making great amounts of 
or whatever record sales every few months or whatever but that doesn't mean they're necessarily making a lot of money uh, there are some automakers that are really really struggling and some that shouldn't be here anymore uh, but uh, i think a blanket uh, just a blanket tax break on some sort of evs for five years would really fasten up just to speed up the adoption process and then you have these players coming in which you really need uh, but i think what tesla is asking for is a little unfair just for them if there is a tax break to be given i think it should be across the board um tesla could have easily done this whole 2500 unit start with that i mean this is just a little stubborn i guess uh, although i haven't met the indian team i really would like to if, if anybody's listening to me from tesla uh, please reach out <laughs> it's cy@powerdrift.com it's very easy uh, no but uh, i think that it needs to be some uh, some sort of Leeway given, if not to the car makers, at least to the scooter makers, because so, that's going to be the first thing that falls, right? You, you aren't going to have EV cars on the market. Uh, it's not going to be a switch that pops. The two wheelers are going to be the swift switch that pops. Almost has. Almost has. It's very close to doing it, but it's still a while away. Uh, again, mainstream makers like Honda need to come with an electric vehicle. Till Honda doesn't do it. Till the Hero doesn't. Do, I mean, Hero the 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 bike maker Hero doesn't do it. um it won't really happen yes acer can be there as a as a tesla equivalent which is so much more expensive than the activities or uh, ola can be around or whoever you know bajaj can over the chetak which i think uh, needs a bit of a rehash in any case um till these bigger automakers decide to sort of grow sort of shake off their slumber and come in i think we aren't going to have and i think the government needs to just sort of have a little bit of a easier view on them. Well, Cyrus, it has been very informative. I'm sure all of our listeners really enjoyed this very candid conversation. It's been lovely. It's been lovely. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh very appreciated. I know it's a long long time coming. Been promising it for a while now, but better late than never, I guess. Yes. Thank you for having me at the time. We look forward to having you back. Absolutely. And I look forward to driving that Fiat again, uh, the one that's parked below. Excellent. Thanks, Cyrus. You're welcome. I'm your host for this episode, Ravin Mirchandani. But I would not be here without the amazing Energizing India podcast team. Onkar, our podcast director and the man who makes it all happen in the end, much like a big fat grand Indian wedding bringing together the research data and attention to details all in the timelines to get the next episode out on time. Sri Vikram, our podcast co-host and head of research, and Sunil, who along with me is executive producer of our program. The Energizing India podcast is an Adore Digitron production giving a voice to the EV industry in India. If you enjoyed listening to us today, make sure to follow us on whatever platform you are listening on, whether it's Spotify, Apple iTunes or our own portal energizingindia.tv. Thank you very much and see you on the next episode.